This is the New How Podcast. Learning how to build businesses and real estate in a new age of technology. All right, so today on the New How Podcast, we have Logan Kramer from Design Pro Development. Logan, how are you? Doing very well, very well. Uh, thanks for being on today. Um, tell everybody who Logan Kramer is and what is Design Pro. Sure. Um, so, uh, Design for Development is uh, Brewerytown's leading uh, development team. Uh, we do a mixture of um, high-end single-family homes, as well as we're building a lot of rentals in the area as well. Uh, we're starting to get uh, involved in commercial activity uh, in terms of uh, Brewerytown as well. We mainly do new construction. We do um, some uh, rehab projects as well. Uh, we actively have about uh, 54 units under construction. By year-end, we'll have over 100 units under wow. construction. That's a, that's a significant amount. It's all units based on unit count. So whether it's a single or a, or a triplex, uh, you count that as four units. Correct. Yeah. That's, so that's, we, that's um, on average, uh, our, our sites are about three to 10 units mm-hmm. um, uh, per, per um, job site. Yep. And you're, are, you said you're, you're, so you're selling off to single families or are you holding them as well? What's kind of your... So yeah, single families we mainly um, uh, have for sale. They're more profitable as for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for um, rentals, anything that's like three units or more, we definitely look to keep. So it's a much more profitable model um, to have multifamilies as rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for three main reasons. Um, first being, uh, Alan Dom said it to me best. He said, Logan, if you want to get rich, sell things. If you want to get wealthy, rent things and own them for a <laughs> while. And um, in terms of um, creating rentals, it really allows you to really grow your balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of borrowing and getting into bigger projects, it really allows you to um, grow your net worth. Uh, the other thing that's great about rentals is there's a lot of um, upside tax wise with it, especially um, Brewerytown's a QOZ. So there's a lot of tax incentives. On- For those of you QOZ, Qualified Opportunity Zone. Just, uh, just <laughs> um, and uh, there's a lot of tax incentives with rentals in terms of depreciation. Um, as well as um, taking advantage of uh, the new tax code with QOZs. Um, also, uh, the other thing that's great about rentals is it creates um, recurring cash flow. So for me, you know, monthly right now, we're making about 33,000 a month in revenue with rentals. Our, our goal is by the end of the year to have close to 100,000 a month mm-hmm. in um, monthly revenue. So it really allows the business to be sustainable with yep. sale products, you know, you make, you might make 80 to 100 grand on a, on a flip yeah. or a new construction build out, but it's once and done and you have to start the whole process are, all over again. So, because I know people that do rentals, you know, obviously with a rental, you want to make profit each month, right? Everyone Absolutely. has their expensive. Are you, are you willing to take less of a margin on some since you are trying to build wealth? Like, do you have some that might just break even and that's okay? And then you have others that make probably more. Like, how do, how do you determine when you're looking at a rental how that makes sense? Sure, definitely. So, um, I evaluate every deal um, and I uh, look at it, say, okay, what's my profit margin Mm -hmm. um, as a rental and what's my profit margin as a sale product? Mm -hmm. Um, I have two unique performers I use for each product um, and I run both. And if I can make um, 90% of the profit as a rental, as I can on the uh, sale product, I go for a rental. And, I and, that timeline, and what's that timeline to make that 90% profit? Are you looking five years, 10 years? No, no. Um, so we, the, our model is, um, let's just use a triplex as a pretty sustainable example. Sure. So we'll buy the land. It'll take us about three to four months max to get it permitted. Construction timelines about six to seven months, mm-hmm. um, about two months of, um, 
getting it rented at max and then we get it stabilized and then we'll refinance out. Gotcha. So you're talking about the refi, the pulling the money out of the property after it's already been done. Exactly. Um, for, for those of you who are familiar with the Burr model, Burr. Um, <laughs> I, my model is kind of like the Burr model on steroids, but um, gotcha. uh, it's uh, more so scalable with uh, multifamily than single family. <laughs> so you're essentially evaluating a deal knowing a triplex that, hey, I might be able to get 250, 300 a unit, once it's fully leased out, mm -hmm. to refi it out, pull out 75, 80% of it, depending on who's giving you the money. And then you're hoping that 75, 80% equivalates to 90% of what it would have been if you sold the property. Exactly, so yeah. looking at it like this, if you have a, um, let's just say you have a triplex that you can sell all three units for a million dollars total. If you go to sell that, your closing costs are gonna be like 8% yep. um, between uh, a realtor as well as your- I usually throw a 12% buffer 12%, just on sure. everything, right? It's, it's yeah, pretty close. And, and any, either way, you're, you're giving up, let's just call it close to 10% mm -hmm. minimum in closing costs yep. um, when you go to sell. So already I'm netting 900. Yep. Um, so I look at if I can go get 75 to 80% LTV from a bank of that and get that million. refinance, you also have to look at you know your tax bracket. For most of us, we're gonna be paying you know anywhere from uh, 20 to 35% of our profit. Yep. So you also need to calculate that out on that 900. So let's just say if your profit was uh, 300 grand mm -hmm. on that 900 and you're paying um, like 33% taxes, grand. you're paying a hundred grand. So yeah. now you're at 800 uh, is what you are getting post closing I mean, costs and your, I mean, and your taxes. Like, like you said, sometimes it makes sense, right? You want to get rich, take the 200 after paying the taxes and walk free and do what you want or mm -hmm. keep the three, right? Put it in and pay for it when you're 65. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll also say in terms of managing things, um, I'm a big, big, big believer in being local. Mm -hmm. So um, we own about 120 properties, but the 120 properties we own are not across counties. They're not across <laughs> neighborhoods. They're really targeted um, within uh, about 70% brewery town, 20% uh, strawberry mansion, I'd say 5% Francisville Fairmount, and then I'd say 5% mixed yep. across Philly neighborhoods. I mean, but you're, you're the Northwest very, king. Like yeah, they're, they're, I, I try to stay humble, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, where, like where do you go and be like, you won't cross Broad Street and you're not crossing Girard? I, I, I don't cross Broad Street. Um, I try to stay west of Broad Street. I really try to stay west of like 24th Street okay. um, to the park to like 33rd. South, I'd, I would say Poplar yep. is um, my like Southern border. North, I like to go up to like Diamond Street. Nice. So, so you got to tell me, like, you know, I'm not doing 50. Prior. How the hell does a guy like you get to be at a point where you're building 50 units of construction? Like, where would you come from? What did you start with? Sure. Did, like, so, what was your niche into this industry? Uh, I, I actually never expected to be in real estate. Um, I, uh, <laughs> That's great. That's I got awesome. my I got my first taste of real estate when I was 19. Um, I was leasing um, rental properties. Uh, in um, uh, at college, I went to Temple. I was leasing um, units just to kind of pay my tuition. And I was making really good money. I was actually really shocked. Like my friends were making 10, 15 bucks an hour working at the school. And I was making like 1500 to $2,000 per unit. Shit, I just showed this unit for 20 minutes. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, it takes, you know, to rent a place, it takes, you know, five to, to six hours. But um, when you're renting units, not only does it kind of allow you to learn from the bottom and um, work your way up to the top, yep. but the people who really thrive in rentals are people who will out hustle other people and people who understand the market. Mm -hmm. And it also is really keeping other people accountable. And yep. that's one thing it also taught me, especially leasing to students, 
I know I wasn't the most accountable student and most <laughs> students aren't. You really have to make sure you keep people accountable. Yep. Uh, and it taught me a great lesson from a young age. Mm -hmm. um, but I saw, I was making great money. Um, I was 19, but I saw all of these landlords making like way, way, way more than I was making. <laughs> They're willing I was to like, pay you 1500 yeah. just to lease it. What the hell are they making? I was like, <laughs> I was like, I want to be them. Yep. So I, I looked into it. Um, I uh, I had a mentorship uh, with my friend, Mike Stom of Stom Development. Great friend of mine. He's really killing it right now. Yep. Absolutely love Mike and his team. Great people. And um, I had a mentorship with Mike Stom for about a year. Um, he taught me a lot about acquisitions and more so like the data side of things. Mm -hmm. um, he got his starts in Germantown. Um, what I definitely recommend for everyone who really wants to grow you need to have three to five strong mentors. Mm -hmm. um, and your mentors definitely need to be people who know more than you. And I will say high level, if you surround yourself with people who are more successful than you, you will like grow like crazy. If you surround yourself with people who are less successful than you, it will prohibit it's your change, growth. Change your inner circle in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, in terms of scalability, so year one, I was, I was leasing and um, I was working an internship, learned a lot about acquisitions. Year two, uh, I was 20, started wholesaling. Um, I first started off at sheriff sales. I'll say sheriff sales these days are not um, the, the, the market that it was four years ago. Four years ago, I've you can make that. a killing. I've heard like, I've heard yeah. like, oh, you'll be there and all of a sudden it's like, oh, to the land bank or like the, they start, they, it's, I've it, heard that from multiple It used people. to be 50 people in the room bidding and now it's, <laughs> 400 people in the room. Absurd. So um, I, I would not recommend share sales for those who are beginning. There's a lot of title complexities and rules that are, are not um, apparent until you learn the hard lessons. Yeah. And so now it's like attributed to going to the first day of trout season in the Wissahickon. Yeah, <laughs> that's well said there. But um, I, I made a lot of money wholesaling, but what wholesaling taught me, and it's, it's one of the core principles I live by today, is you make money when you buy. And that's, if there's one lesson everybody takes from this today is you make money when you buy, not when you sell. And people say, what do you mean? I actually get my money when I sell. And it's like, yeah, I know. But you actually make money when you buy in the sense that when I'm buying, I look at what I believe the market value of an asset is in its existing condition. I want to be at like 30 to 50%. Now I'm very below, aggressive. Below that or? 30 to 50% of market value. So, so, you're something, talking, so you're telling so me if it's a hundred grand lot, I'm buying it for 30 to 50 grand. <laughs> Now I'll say you're not holding people at gunpoint, are you, to get those? No, 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 not at all. No, I I understand zoning complexities really, yep. really well. Um, I uh, um, in terms of zoning, I I really understand the zoning code well, and most people don't understand what they're sitting on in terms of like. Um, I remember uh, there was a lot on the uh, 15 hour block of Stillman I bought and. Um, it was two lots side by side. It had a house and a garage on it. And um, I bought it um, on the MLS, which I'll say, generally speaking, most deals in the MLS are not good deals. They're usually at market value mm -hmm. or above. But I bought it on the MLS and I knew, I was buying it for about 100 grand. I knew it was worth about 350. And I knew, knew that the seller didn't know that they were sitting on it. The seller saw this as, a house with a garage, you rehab the house, mm -hmm. you sell it as a, a really big um, house with a really big garage, you know, maybe you get 400 for it. I knocked the two down actually and demolished it, had this huge lot. It was zoned RM1, buy right, you could build seven units. Got them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, knowing the zoning code, it's really, really smart. Yeah. 
Um, I know actually uh, Brian just came out with software Zoner. I did not ask you to plug Zoner. I appreciate the plug. (laughs) But um, for those of you who don't know the zoning code, it really allow you to kind of leap over um, what most people like. I spent close to 40 hours nerding out over the zoning code. Uh, It'll it'll really save you some time there. But in terms of um, uh, acquisitions, that really pivoted me from year one and into perpetuity. I made a lot of money wholesaling. Uh, after wholesaling, um, I actually had so much money uh, that I made that I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I, I was thankfully a uh, for twenty, a pretty responsible twenty year old, and didn't go blow it all, you know, out on parties and whatnot, like Lamborghinis, cocaine, what all the shit that you see all these people on TV. Uh, I tried doing. to be responsible. I yeah. saved it, and I knew I wanted to start a business at some point. And um, I got in the flips. So I did my first flip. It was a big learning lesson. I knew nothing about construction going into it. I knew I had passion and I knew that anything I didn't know, I could learn. And um, I I learned the um, flip process. I did my first rehab. Uh, I was a big success, made over a hundred grand on it. And um, basically scaled that model, did a few more rehabs, got into new construction. Um, which also I'll say new construction is definitely much more scalable than mm-hmm. rehabs. Um, new constructions like building Legos. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you open, you know, I don't, I don't say you open <laughs> up the package, follow the instructions and you get it done, but it's a lot more seamless and there's a lot less surprises than there are rehabs and it's a much more scalable model. And the, the quality level of GCs you get yeah. with new construction will allow you to be much more scalable. Um, rehabs are very time intensive. Yeah. Um, so year two had about uh, 14 active projects all went really well um year three i got my tax bill and i i have a sit <laughs> i had a sit down with my accountant and i go i got a big problem and he goes what he's like logan you made a lot of money and i'm like i know but i owe a lot in taxes and he goes yeah logan he's like you know most most developers that i work with they're not paying tax bills like this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then what am I doing wrong? And he goes, well, well, most developers um, are owning a lot of rentals and, and all you're doing is flip, flip, flip. So yeah. you're exchanging possibly sometimes. Yeah. Or, some, sometimes yeah. 1031s, yeah. et cetera. But um, long story short, he's like, you need, you need to start getting rentals. So I was like, all right. So I, I looked at my model and I was prior, I was a hundred percent sale. And I said to myself, my year three goal is to make myself 80% for rent, 20% for sale. Um, put that in, it took me about a year and a half to really kind of um, reap the rewards of it, but it is something that I'm very, very happy I made that decision of long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, rentals will take you longer to see the uh, see your profit. Literally, but, it's, it's like yeah. I literally after, this afternoon I told you when we said that, I said, I have two things today. I'm going to pick up permits for a six unit that we're building ground up for ourselves to hold. It's been a year and a half getting it to this point. Yeah. To go pick up permits to stick a shovel in the ground on Monday for demo. Right. Absolutely. It, it, take, it takes time sometimes to you know do the prep work to make sure, but now you have an asset that's gonna just keep churning through cash and paying down the mortgage till I decide in 10 years to sell it, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, year four, I just kind of took my year three model, which was, you know, building a lot of rentals and just kind of pumped it up on steroids. Um, I had a lot of confidence from investors. Um, I've never lost investor money. Um, I've, I've given out pretty aggressive returns anywhere between like 25 to 40%. So my investors love me. I was able to get any deal basically that I 
was able to put in her contract, I'd have funding for in like 48 to 72 hours. And it allowed me to take the sustainability um, and the deal flow I had from my acquisition model. And instead of wholesaling a lot of those deals out, keep them for myself as development opportunities. So we were taking down per week, I'd say about, we were putting probably two to three deals per week under contract. The best deal we would keep for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other two we wholesale out for short-term um, revenue yep. instead of all three of them just wholesaling out. So allowed me to build my own land bank. I'm basically sitting on right now. I could never buy another property for like the next four years and build through the rest of my inventory yep. and have close to about 800 units um, if I, I build through all the land I own at the moment. Yep. So that, is that what's next? Uh, that, that's the, that's the uh, long-term plan. Yes, the long-term plan. And so far we're doing really well. Yep. And what, what's your, I mean, what's your next milestone, right? You said you want to be doing 50 projects. You want to be doing a hundred. What's, what's the next, like how many units are you at now? What's your next milestone and hold wise? Sure. Definitely. So, um, as I'm, as I'm growing, um, I'm looking to come away from like duplexes and triplexes and get into larger buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, that are like seven units, 10 units, 25 units, 30 units, et cetera. Um, these larger concentrated sites are much more scalable. They're a little more expensive to build. Um, you know, your triplexes, you know, you might be building at like 120 a foot. These larger five-story buildings that are 25, 30, 40 units, you're building at like 145, 155 yeah. Pico a foot. vaults, it's just different yeah. parameters. But a lot of my clients that are doing that stuff, they say it's pretty much the same process as building a triplex. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same process with definitely a little, you know, more detail, yep. um, but it's much more scalable. And I'd say for the triplexes that I am building, um, I'm building uh, in, in density. Mm -hmm. um, I'm able to change blocks. Like for instance, um, Cecil B. Moore is a great example. Um, I own between the 2400 block and the 2800 block of Cecil B. Moore over hundred units. Wow. So um, we're building that over in three phases. We're in phase one right now. We actively have about 32 units under construction on Cecil. And um, we're looking to basically kind of overnight change a block that is they currently had no momentum on it. And um, Oxford Street was a block south of it. Um, Vince Viney, a good friend of mine, V2 Properties, doing uh, See him a in a smart car driving around. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, um, he's doing a lot of um, development on 2500 block Oxford. Mm -hmm. I was one block north of him. And if I, I knew if I did one triplex on the 2500 block of Cecil, it really wouldn't fit the bill for um, the market I was trying to create, but hitting it with an incredible amount of density overnight's really changing the block. And we're looking to recreate um, the commercial corridor that's on Gerard Avenue mm -hmm. on the CSP Moore. Wow, that's, so, that's big. So you're, doing a, so you're having commercial and units above, is that kind of the- Yeah, we're, we're doing it in three phases. So mm -hmm. phase one, we're building all apartments, all triplexes. Uh, we wanna get residential density there first. Yep. Um, phase two is to get commercial density there. So ground floor commercial, floors like two through four residential, um, all, all triplexes. Um, and then phase three, we're looking to do larger, like eight to 10 unit buildings mm -hmm. that are two to three lots consolidated. Yep. So. No, that's good. Yeah, so that's a long-term dream. A long-term dream. So how many, so you have 800 that you're holding right now. So the dream, I mean, I guess a thousand units isn't far from the horizon yeah i would say five-year plan would have a thousand units under ownership under ownership and that'll make you pretty much one of the biggest holds right in philly like i don't know you know there's you have the property management but how many people actually hold a thousand units 
Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, I get I get really aggressive offers every day mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, my product in Brewery Town uh, with other investors who are looking to buy it. And I get offers that are, are hard to reviews a lot yeah. of times. But, you, but if you if you keep the long term goal in mind, the ten year, the, the qualified opportunity zones, I think yeah, you're making the right decision. Absolutely, as much as you can at the moment. I, I completely agree. Yep. What What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, obviously, you mentioned Brewery Town. Looking a little north of there, you got Strawberry Mansion. You have your eyes on that area. I mean, that is the horizon from Brewery yeah. Town, right? Like, what What are your thoughts on that area? Um, in the in the next five years, what's going on there? I, I think Strawberry Mansion is going to be the next brewery town. Um, I actively own about fifty properties in Strawberry Mansion. Okay. I own three high density sites that I'm uh, um, that I just had my permits approved on over there. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Strawberry Mansion, I think that geographically it's great. It's right off the park. Um, there's really good transportation to Center City, um, and it has the cores that you need um, to rebuild a neighborhood. Um, I think Ridge Avenue can come back commercially. I think the park um, on 33rd Street can really uh, get revived. And I think what's really important about Strawberry Mansion's market is how affordable it is to get in. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was getting started in Brewery Town and I was trying to raise money like when I was 20 years old and I was telling investors, listen, I'm buying these lots for 10, 20, $30,000 <laughs> and I had a hard time raising money at, yeah. at 20 years old. Um, I'm 24 now. I mean, I could go to an investor now and get, you know, a million in, in, in a few or a few days. But the, the big difference for me now is that the same investors who were telling me, no, I'm not going to give you 50 grand to fund this deal in Brewery Town. Two years later, we're like begging me for those same yeah. deals. Well, and I'm like, you, got I'm like, you, missed, can... you missed the boat, buddy. Yeah. And um, I'm really getting active in Strawberry Mansion now. Mm-hmm. Um, the developers who I think are most successful are visionaries mm-hmm. and they're able to see not what's there currently, but what uh, the potential is to come. Um, we really are looking at a lot of targeted sites in Strawberry Mansion um, and creating kind of our master plan um, development-wide for Strawberry Mansion. And um, getting in right now where we're buying stuff at 10, 15, $20,000 max. A lot um, or a house? A lot. Uh, for multi-units, we're buying, we're paying about $12,000 per door at most. Wow, that's good, that's great. Um, and uh, in terms of single families, yeah, we're paying at most about $20,000 per lot. But it, you know, it won't be long for these lots to be worth, you know, $100,000 a piece. Um, or these uh, multi-units to be worth, you know, $35,000, $40,000 door. Mm-hmm. And um, we're really getting in now where, you know, there's not much competition. Um, we're really the only major player in Strawberry Mansion at the moment. There is a lot of um, smaller rehabbers that are doing great work over there. Um, that's the start, though. That's yeah, how that's the start. Right? That's they how get, it starts. And, and, yep. You know, I think that, you know, if people, you know, I think Philly's gotten much more expensive. I mean, when I got in this market four years ago, Philly was affordable, not just for the home buyer, but also the developer. Yep. And to get into Brewery Town, for instance, you need a minimum of a hundred grand to buy a, a solid lot or a solid house for a project. Um, I think you know the very profitable days in Brewery Town are over if you're trying to just buy stuff now yep. to get in, unless you're on the northern side of Brewery Town. But Strawberry Mansion is, is extremely affordable, um, and I think it really allows for a lot of long-term growth there. Yep. I, I, I like that vision. I think I think you're right. I mean, I see I see people on the other side of Ridge trying to fill it in. I, you know, that's you know when I get asked a question, I literally got asked this morning. Uh, you know, client calls, wants us to tear down his house, build a, a multi-unit for him. He's like, "How's the market?" I'm like, you know, no one knows. I said I just read an article yesterday that the Social Security uh, fund is at a 42 trillion dollar deficit. 
So who the fuck knows? Maybe that is the next mortgage uh, crisis, right? Sure. Nobody knows. Like tomorrow, you know, the stock market could drop. No one one has a crystal ball. Um, Maybe some people do, but I would say majority of people don't. Um, But, you know, from what I see where where we sit, you know, architecturally, you know, we submitted over 100 permit applications, Q1 to the city, uh, ranging from everything from a single family to hundreds of units. So... I see projects that aren't looking to stick shovels in the ground till the end of 2020, 21. Um, and then, you know, I read an article yesterday from one of my mentors down in Texas. He said this bull market is going to run for the next seven to 10 years. And then I look at, I watch Bart give a speech at uh, some event at the Crystal Tea Room downtown, or actually no, at the uh, Union League. And he said, it's going to plateau, but it's not going to dip. It's going to keep going up. So I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, I hope we all have a nice seven to 10 year run, but I, I just think if the deal makes sense, mm-hmm. if it's like you're buying doors at 12 grand, uh, you know, you, I don't think that value is going to lose. It's not like that 12 grand door is going to drop to eight, four grand a door, you know? Sure. Like, so I think you just got to mitigate your risk and just look at everything. But I know you can make money in all scenarios. Absolutely. And like the way I look at it from the acquisition side of things, if I was buying like lots at a hundred thousand dollars a lot mm-hmm. and let's just say in a, a market extreme happened where it drops in value by 50%. I just lost 50 grand. If I bought it for $10,000 <laughs> and it, it drops by 50%, I just lost five grand. Exactly. It's not, you know, my exposure is uh, much more limited. Yep. Um, the other thing I'll say in terms of Philly's uh, market, I do a lot of market studies um, and, you know, I'm, I, I definitely, uh, what I love most about Brewery Town and Strawberry Mansion is if you look at it, high level, the markets are still extremely affordable for the mm. home buyer or oh, yeah. the renter. Um, I travel a ton. I go all across the United States. I look at other um, uh, uh, major um, uh, metros and like see what's going on in their markets. What I've seen, and I'm, I'm a product of this myself, mm-hmm. I see that a lot of your millennials um, and uh, a lot of your soon-to-be Gen Zs that'll be uh, renting soon are uh, basically living in the suburbs um, and moving into a metro, uh, be it Philly or wherever. I grew up about an hour west of Philly, uh, came here when I was 18. And um, I'm seeing that from a lot of people. And um, I'd say my hometown, 80% of people I went to school with are living in a metro. And Mm -hmm. I would say about 50% of them have actually relocated to Philadelphia specifically. And I think that cities are going to do really, really well no matter what happens to the economy. They're very efficient. Our, our lives are driven by efficiency and technology yep. and cities allow for that and suburbs and especially rural areas do not. Exactly. And um, uh, I really see. Um, if all, everything goes to hell though, I'd rather be out in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, and uh, in terms of, um, you know, number one, just kind of the drivers of the economic forces in mm-hmm. these areas are flocking to, to uh, urban areas. Um, so I think that's a really strong driver. Looking historically, Philly, when the market did crash in 08, actually did really, really well, in, especially in comparison to like the suburban areas, which got killed. It, it was it was the in-between that got hit. Like people don't realize that like, like it was the, the 250 and below product You're really fine. Wasn't, wasn't touched. Yeah, that, that's a very affordable market. And I'll say, you know, if, you, if we do have, um, you know, a, a recession of some sort, the place that I would not want to be as a developer right now is in luxury, high-end, single-family homes, yep. um, where you know there's homes that are for you know five hundred thousand dollars plus. 
um, because that's a luxury. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta look at it like this. If you need to go buy a car, people need a car yeah. or, or at least a way to get around. Um, if I'm doing really well in life, I might go buy, you know, a Mercedes or a Porsche. If I'm just doing, you know, average, I'll go buy a Honda, yeah. but I need a car. And my product that I'm offering is like a BMW three series. So it's, you know, it's yeah. a $30,000 car. Um, and they usually is, have some good lease incentives too. Right? <laughs> that, is, that is true. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it looks like a hundred thousand dollar car, but it's really a $30,000 car. Yep. So it, it looks, you know, very luxurious. Um, but it's also really affordable and approachable. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, there's, you can get a Honda, you know, an Accord's like 26 grand. So, you know, it's not far from an Accord exactly. to a three series. And that's kind of how I place my market. You know, mm -hmm. I try to deliver as much value to my home buyers as well as my renters, give them a really high end product. Um, for my larger buildings, uh, make sure they're amenity driven mm -hmm. and um, really making sure that, you know, I put out the best product out there in the market. Nice. Well, Logan, as we get wrapping up here, I, I want to ask you a question. I ask everybody, what's what's the one liner you, you tell someone just getting started or the one liner that you wish was told to you when you were 19 leasing apartment buildings? Sure. Actually, um, uh, my father gave me this advice when I was a young kid and I really, really appreciate it. And I take it with me to this day. Um, when you're in business, when there's a problem, you got to fix it yourself as an owner. Um, and uh, a lot of people like to play the blame game. And the people who play the blame game will not be successful. Mm -hmm. The people who, uh, when there's a problem, they take it on and they solve it are the people who are very successful. And the quote my father told me and I live by is, you are your biggest obstacle. And um, for me, uh, just using it as an example, I was 19. And, you know, I was, I was 19 and I was, uh, in a market where it's dominated by 30, 40, 50, 60 year old men. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not in a market where, you know, I'm, I'm a minority in this market. And I was, you know, really young, I was aggressive, but, um, you know, I, I really did not allow my age to be an obstacle for me. And, um, whatever it is, you know, that, you know, you might see as an obstacle for yourself, turn that, turn that, um, disadvantage into an advantage. You know, I, I preached to my investors. I was like, yeah, you might be investing with this, you know, 40 year old guy, but he's giving to you 11 to 15%. I'm able to deliver 25 to 40%. And here's the thing that guy's got a family at home. He mm -hmm. wants to work a 40 hour week. I'm willing to go work a 60, 70 hour week, get it done no matter what. Yep. I use technological resources that he doesn't have access to um, that allow my business to drive at 500 miles an hour while yep. he's driving at 50. Yep. And um, I also, uh, you know, all in all, just really think that, you know, anytime you have an obstacle, problem solving is key, but don't let an obstacle um, get in the way of your success. I love it. Don't let an obstacle get in the way of your success. I love it. Well, Logan, thank you so much for coming on. I know you just delivered a shit ton of value to the <laughs> listeners. I, I hope Absolutely. Uh, everyone appreciates uh, Logan's time. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, see you next time. Sounds great. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing this with someone, it would mean the world to us. You can reach out to us at thenewhowpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we really hope you got a lot of value out of this episode that you're going to put towards your business and real estate endeavors.